Amen. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Good to see y'all here today. Uh, hope you're ready for uh, just another beautiful Sunday morning. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to just kind of dig into the Word. It's been kind of an interesting week for me, which anymore most of them are. And uh, you just kind of keep on going. And God knows, and he has good plans, and he's carried us along. Today we're going to—it's interesting because Tom and I were looking in at that that's uh, inviting the Holy Spirit here in that song that he sang a couple songs ago. And that's really today what we're going to look at. We're just going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, look through uh, the life, really, of the character of Mordecai. And we're kind of just taking the summary of Esther, and we're going to wrap it all up in a ball and look specifically at God's Holy Spirit and just see, uh, see if we can't get some life lessons uh, through that. And so right now, I just want to stop and pray. Father, um, uh, uh, you know, we just come to you, and we want to hear from you. And I really, as you know, have nothing to offer, uh, but you have everything to offer. And so I pray, God, that you would just uh, take away all the, the uh, things rushing through our minds and the distractions and, and that you would just, uh, by, your, by your power and by your spirit and by your might, break through and speak to each one of us directly for your glory, God. I pray that you would just be glorified through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you guys look for the Holy Spirit in your life? Yeah, you know, something to, I've just been thinking about that this week and maybe more than other weeks, but do you look for the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you really just stop and look for the Holy Spirit? Look what he's doing. What does he do? You ever think about what does the Holy Spirit do? Do you ever think about how you would recognize him? We talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talk a lot about Jesus and God and the Trinity. We don't maybe put them all together, but we talk about them individually a lot. And, and so what would the Holy Spirit do? How would you recognize him in your lives? And that's really what I want us to kind of think about today, and I hopefully we can uh, bring it to, to light through the person of Mordecai. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He's eternal, part of the Trinity. Uh, and it's by the power of the eternal Spirit that Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins, the writer of Hebrews said, by the power of the eternal Spirit that Christ offered himself. Of course, in the Old Testament, uh, the Holy Spirit came on people for a certain period or for a certain anointing or for a certain task, and uh, he just kind of came on a temporary basis. And as we know, when Jesus Christ died, before he died, he said he's going to send his Spirit, he's going to send his Helper, that would be with us always. And of course, after he died and when he rose from the grave at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on to believers and uh, the Holy Spirit is with us always. The Holy Spirit is always with you, not just for a certain season, not just when you feel like it, not just when you see some incredible, profound movement, but the Holy Spirit permanently indwells you. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He lives in you. He's given to you by God. In Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 9, it says, 
anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Pretty simple. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells with you. So do you look for the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you look for him? Do you search for him? He came from the Father to build up the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit's the one who convicts the world of sin. That really kind of takes a lot of pressure off of me. It's not my job, and it's not your job. God's quite good at his job, and the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. Uh, particularly the sin of unbelief in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit illuminates truth. He teaches truth. The Holy Spirit guides you. He assures you. He intercedes for you. He instructs you. He empowers you, and he glorifies Jesus Christ. And we all desperately need him. We all need him. If we didn't need a helper, why did Jesus decide that we needed a helper and he's going to send a helper? Because we need him. And so do you want to look for the Holy Spirit in your life? And that's really my challenge for us this week as we leave, is for each of us to spend some time afresh and anew and just looking for the Holy Spirit, specifically in our lives, and just see if God doesn't make himself real. It's almost like the Holy Spirit we know comes and lives within us. And assume that like your body is um, like a house. And, 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 and I would say... You know, for a non-believer, the Holy Spirit does not indwell us. The Holy Spirit is not with us. And when we know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes with, uh, within us permanently forever and ever and ever. And I would say for most Christians, uh, for all Christians often, but for most Christians most of the time, and maybe this is kind of harsh, but I think it's, it's reality for us, the Holy Spirit in our minds kind of occupies a little room in the basement of our house. Nice room, okay? It's a nice place. It's really this holy place that we keep really special. You know, we go down there sometimes, and we like to hang out down there because we get this incredible kind of yeah, precious peace and, and joy and, and things like that. But it's, he's kind of regulated to this little place in our lives because, you know, we got all these other important things to do. All these important things to do for ourselves. All these important things that we got to accomplish in this world. All these important things that, that really, they need to take precedence. And, you know, if we don't do them, who's going to do them? Who's going who's to provide? You know, who's going to take care of everything if I don't take care of everything myself? So we got all these things in our, that we take on for ourselves, and really we kind of have this nice little shrine in, in a corner of our house for the Holy Spirit. And uh, as we've studied over the years and learned over the years and if you spent time in the word over the years you realize that god will not allow himself to be stuck in a little corner room he is god he is almighty he is all-powerful and uh he wants to dwell and control the whole house he wants to be in charge of the whole house he wants to be everywhere that you are. He wants to be first in all things. And truly, when we put him first in all things, it's amazing how everything else falls into place. And so I, I hope that it's a challenge to some of us to really consider where we have the Holy Spirit in our life. And hopefully, as we wrap up the study on Esther, 
uh, we can uh, really personify the Spirit and apply it to our lives, okay? So we're going to look kind of at Esther. We're going to walk through this book of Esther. We're going to take it as a summary. We're going to look at this historical book. And then what I want to do is just point out, we're going to look just really specifically at Mordecai. And then we're going to kind of point out uh, just different ways that you see the Holy Spirit move in our lives. And we'll, and we'll see if God can uh, make sense of it to you or not. Um, <laughs> and uh, I trust that he can. So if you remember, we're, we're looking at this book. It's, hopefully it's been a fun study for you guys. Um, of course, at the time, this was the largest empire the world had ever known. There was 127 provinces. Uh, you know, Turkey, Iraq, Iran, many more. Pakistan, Jordan, um, yeah, Israel, Egypt, Sudan, I think uh, Libya, Arabia. All these are all part of this, this Persian empire here. And in 485 B.C., Ahasuerus became king over the empire. His name was also Xerxes. He's known as in history. And so he's over this huge kingdom. He's one of the most powerful people in, in the world. And at the time of Esther, the Jewish people were living in exile. Many of them had been exiled throughout the Persian Empire. It was about 100 years after Jerusalem had fallen. And these people were spread all out. And they were struggling. But God had not forgotten his chosen people. And as we've seen through this book, even though the name of God is not mentioned, God is on every page, and God is on, on everybody's mind, and God moves all the time. And so you kind of get this picture. Ahasuerus is king. He has this lavish kingdom. Uh, he ends up uh, throwing a ball. Vashti is the queen at the time. She refuses to come to him and bow to him. And so they decide to replace her, and he chooses Queen Esther, as the queen. And Esther, of course, is Jewish. Um, she's, she's raised by Mordecai, who is her, her um, uncle. And, uh, and so Esther comes in the palace. Uh, the bad guy on the scene is Haman. Haman is the, the evil guy who's kind of got all the power in the palace, the proud guy, the selfish guy. And Haman has a lot of control, and Esther's in the palace. And Mordecai, at the beginning of our story, is outside the palace, okay? He's separate from the palace. So we know that uh, Haman hates Mordecai. Mordecai refuses to bow to Haman, and Haman wants to kill not only Mordecai, but he wants to kill all the Jewish people, so he issues a decree to kill all the Jewish people, and uh, ultimately Esther steps forward, comes into the king, and saves, uh, along with Mordecai, her people, the Jewish people. And it's a beautiful story, and, and they have this incredible celebration. And that's really how the book of Esther can be summarized. Uh, but just realize, as we're going to just look at four different places where Mordecai is throughout the story, the very first thing, the first place we see him is outside of the palace. Now remember, we're looking at this not only as historical, but also as an allegory. And so I'm not sure if we still have that slide of, oh, there you go, Mike. Of the allegory, but if you think about this this way, I think it's very helpful for us to, to kind of make this come to life. Uh, King Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, he represents um, the soul of man. Represents the soul of man, okay? So here's the king. He's a good picture of the soul of man, how man thinks, how man chooses, how man feels, okay? The mind, will, emotions. Xerxes represents that. And as he makes decisions 
as the king, and he lays out decrees, and he makes proclamations that impacts the whole kingdom, and the kingdom represents the body of a man or a woman. It's not a gender term. So you have the soul represented by the king. You have the body represented by the kingdom. Haman represents the flesh, represents the sinful nature, represents the selfishness of mankind. And uh, Haman is all about himself, totally prideful, and uh, all about Haman and trying to make Haman great. Uh, as we said, Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit. Esther represents really the, the human spirit, ultimately under the control of the Holy Spirit. So we start first with Mordecai being outside the palace. If you have your Bibles, you open to the book of Esther. We're just going to kind of walk through it. And I'm going to give you a lot of verses to go with this. And I, and I just encourage you to write down the verses somewhere. And, uh, and then uh, go home and look at them. Uh, open the word and, and look at the verses and see if, if some of these things don't just really make sense to you. So this picture beginning with Mordecai outside the palace is a picture of like an unbeliever. It's like someone who's separate from God. It's like someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. The Holy Spirit is not within them, okay? So they are outside the palace. And, and, and if you look at Esther chapter 2, you see that even though he's outside the palace, the Holy Spirit is still having an impact. In chapter 2, verse 5, there was a Jew in Susa, the capital, whose name was Mordecai. And he was the son of, of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. And he had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled when Jehokim, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. So he, he was taken out the same time like Daniel and his friends were exiled. And he was bringing up Hadessah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. And she had neither father nor mother. And the young lady was beautiful in form and face. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Okay, so Esther's parents had died, probably maybe even when Jerusalem fell. And Mordecai uh, was obviously impacting Esther this whole time. If you go over to verse 20 of that same chapter 2, you find Esther had not yet made known her kindred or her people. After she became king, or after she became queen, she didn't make that known who she was, that she was Jewish, or even that she, um, and even as Mordecai had commanded her, for Esther did what Mordecai told her as she had done when he was under his care. So here's Mordecai. He's having an impact on Esther all along. And, uh, and uh, he raised her as his own daughter. She listened to him. He guided her. He directed her. He had an impact uh, in the palace through Esther, even though he was outside of the palace. And we just need to know, first of all, that the Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit directs. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's moving in the life of everyone. There's this incredible common grace that every person on this planet gets to experience because of God and because of his Holy Spirit. We get to experience the beauty of the sun and the rain, and we get health, and we get all these things that, that are poured out as blessings that none of us deserve. And everyone gets to experience. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit is constantly moving and constantly uh, guiding and directing through the process. John chapter 16, verse 13, if you just want to write that down, says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own, Jesus said, but he will tell what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. You see, the Holy Spirit is always guiding and directing people to truth, to himself. Jesus Christ is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. So even, even though you might look around at people's lives and they seem very hard, they seem like God is not moving in their lives at all, believe me, God is moving in their lives. And God is, is, is working, and he's, he's guiding them towards the truth. He's drawing them towards the truth. He's, he's working. So he begins outside the palace. Still, he has an impact uh, in the palace. The second thing he does, even outside the palace, is he impacts the kingdom. He impacts the kingdom. Esther chapter 2, uh, verse 21 says, In those days Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, and Big Than and Teresh, two of the king's officials, from those who guarded the door became angry and they sought to lay their hands on kings at Hazarus, but the plot became known to Mordecai and he told Esther and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on the gallows and it was written in the book of the Chronicles. You see what, 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 Esther, what Mordecai did, even though he was outside the kingdom, he warned them of impending doom. He warned the king. And we're also told that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He warns us. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, 23, if you want to write those verses down, uh, Paul says, uh, you know, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He doesn't know what's going to happen to him there, except for the Holy Spirit has testified to me that in every city, and he says there's going to be bounds and afflictions that are going to wait. The Holy Spirit's warning Paul of what's to come, and the Holy Spirit will warn us. Esther chapter 3 Verse 8, you go over there, and all of a sudden we see uh, Haman come on the scene, and Haman acts like the good guy. Haman is deceptive. He comes on like he's just the, the best friend of the king, and he has the best interests of the kingdom at heart, and that he's all about really trying to help others, but really at the core, Haman is evil and wicked. And Haman says to King Ahasuerus in verse 8, there's a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in your kingdom, and their laws are different from those of all the other people, and they don't observe the king's laws, so it's not in the king's interest to let them remain. Gets to see a little bit of his true colors, right? He says, look, there's these people, these Jewish people, because he saw Mordecai, wouldn't bow down to him, and it's not even in your best interest, king, to let them remain. And they should all be wiped out. And so he has the king send out these letters to annihilate the Jews. And in verse 13, the letters were sent out by couriers to all the king's providences to destroy, to kill, to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, women and children, in one day. The truth of who Haman is comes forth. He's evil. He has evil intent. He wants to kill all the Jewish people, all the people of God. And as we've looked at his ancestry, his ancestors did as well. And Mordecai understood this all along, that Haman was wicked. And that's one thing that the Holy Spirit does for us, is he illuminates truth to us. He illuminates truth to us. John chapter 16 Verse 13 through 15, if you want to write that down. When the Spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own, but only what he has heard, and he will bring glory to God, to Jesus Christ, by telling you whatever he receives from Christ. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. See, here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit will illuminate truth. And sometimes you just get this sense that there's something not quite right when you hear something from someone or when you see their actions or when you see how they act. Maybe it's an employee or an employer or a friend or a co-worker and there's something there that just is unsettling to you. And oftentimes that's the Holy Spirit prompting you and, and warning you and illuminating truth to you that there really is something here and they really do have an evil intent. And uh, the Holy Spirit does that for us as well. Just know that God is always moving, God is always working, and he's looking at the hearts of men and women and he will make that known to you. Esther chapter 4. Keep going. We're going to just keep plowing through this about the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, 14, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, don't imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. So when Esther learns of the plot, Mordecai says it's time for you to take a stand. And you've raised up for such a time as this. And he encourages her that this maybe is just why you're here for this very reason. And the Holy Spirit assures us. That's another role of the Spirit. Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in all of our weakness. The Holy Spirit assures us as he encourages us. In chapter 4, verse 15, Esther tells them to, Mor to Mordecai, assemble all the Jews, fast for me, don't eat, don't drink for three days, three nights, and we'll do the same thing, right? So basically saying, let's stop, let's fast, let's pray, and I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. She's willing to surrender. And Esther takes that stand to say, let's just stop, let's just turn to God, let's just wait for three days. And really the Holy Spirit for us, he intercedes for us. He prays for us. Romans 8, chapter 26 again said, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know, for example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. So the Holy Spirit also prays for us. If you go over to Esther chapter 6, verse 10, and all of a sudden, what's happened now is Haman became very prideful, and he's all excited that he's going to be exalted as the head. And, and the king finds out that Mordecai had saved his life, and so the king wants to honor Mordecai. And uh, just stick with me here. There's just a couple more. And the king says to Haman, take quickly the robes. This is verse 10 of chapter 6. The robes and the horses. And do for Mordecai, the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate, don't fall short in anything that you have said. So Haman took the robe, the horse, uh, arrayed Mordecai, and he led him through horseback, and he said, This shall be done for the man that the king wants to honor. And the Mordecai returned to the king's gate. Haman hurried home. He mourned with his head covered. Haman said to Xerxes, his wife, all that had happened. And the wise men and Xerxes, his wife, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall as of Jewish origin, you will not overcome him, you will surely fail. And you see, that's the, the, the beauty of the truth of the Holy Spirit and the evil, is the Holy Spirit always overcomes evil. Always. 
Paul writes Galatians 5 16 I say walk by the Spirit you will not carry out the desires of the flesh ultimately Satan will bow and he does bow before Jesus Christ there is no one who could overcome the power of the Holy Spirit within you so not only does the Holy Spirit intercede not only does he pray not only does he overcome not only does he he assure us but go down to chapter 7 verse 4 and you see Esther goes before the king and he pleads for her people and he says we've been sold I and my people to be destroyed to be killed to be annihilated if we had only been sold as slaves I would not have I would have remained silent for what I would not trouble you my king with this and Ahasuerus said to the king, to the queen, who is he? Who is he? Who would presume to do this? Esther said, a foe, an enemy. This is the wicked Haman. And Haman became terrified before the queen. And so if you go down to verse 10 of that chapter, it says, they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai. And the king's anger subsided. Haman was exposed. And that's really what the Holy Spirit does to all sin the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin as we looked at earlier he's going to convict the world of sin of God's righteousness of the coming judgment and ultimately that's what happened through this whole process is Mordecai stayed faithful and he convicted um, the the king of Haman's sin and he showed him Haman's sin and the only way to deal with Haman was to kill him because there's nothing good in Haman he was wicked all the way through and uh, he was totally against the things of God now we have the answer here in these last few chapters the answer comes in chapter 8 Verse 2, as Mordecai is promoted, and the Holy Spirit is lifted up. And the king takes off his signet ring, which he had taken away from Haman, and he gave it to Mordecai, and they set Mordecai over the house of Haman. And verse 15, Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes and blue and white, large crown of gold, garment of fine linen, purple, and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. You see, ultimately they found that the true life came through Mordecai and the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you life don't you know that you're a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you first Corinthians 3 16 John chapter 6 verse 63 if the Spirit gives life the flesh the flesh profits nothing the words I have spoken to you are spirit in life the Spirit gives life and no that he is good and you can see that at the end in chapter 10 Mordecai the Jew verse 3 was second only to King Ahasuerus great among the Jews and he was in favor with the multitude of kingsmen he was one who sought the good of his people and one who spoke for the welfare of his whole nation Mordecai was honored and he was granted favor and he taught the people righteousness and the Holy Spirit will teach you righteousness John chapter 14 verse 26 the helper of the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and he will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you okay so as we as we 
tie this whole thing together. Let's just apply it. You see, the story of Esther kind of ends where it begins. Except for the king and the kingdom have experienced an exchange life. That's what we would call it, an exchange life. You see, you have the same king, right? Same king. Just like you, as a believer, have the same soul. You have the same mind, right? You have the same emotions. You make the same choices. We have the same king, same kingdom, just like we have the same bodies. That hasn't changed as we come to faith. Now, Haman, though, the fleshly man, the self-man, the sinful nature, the prideful man has died. He has been crucified. He has died. And he's killed. And Mordecai, the humble man, the Holy Spirit man, is now in the palace. And even though you still kind of have this wretch left from Haman, and you still have to deal with what's left from uh, the, the, the path that Haman has laid. And even though you can still think the same thoughts you thought under Haman's power, Haman's dead. Haman's gone. You have a no spirit. And even though the king can still feel like he did under Haman's power, believe like Haman, act like Haman, the kingdom looks much the same at this point outside the kingdom outside the palace but everything has changed everything has been made new and so as the king believes truth as the king surrenders to mordecai's advice the kingdom and the king will change to reflect the truth of who's in control and all of a sudden this sin this fear this guilt this coveting this envy this pride will be replaced by peace and love and joy and gentleness and that's what happens to you and i believers as we surrender to the Holy Spirit within us. And so I just challenge you to look for the Holy Spirit in your life. And we're going to close tonight, today, uh, by taking communion. And so I'm going to ask that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, um, we want to encourage you to take communion with us. But I think it gives us an incredible opportunity to, um, to really... Um, make this apply to our lives when we think about communion. And so, you know, there's really three different groups of people. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, if he's still on the outside, he's working in your lives, he's drawing you to him. Uh, ultimately, all you can rely on in the f is the flesh, and if that's your case, just let the elements pass by you and really ask God the questions you need to ask God to trust Christ as your Savior. And maybe you know Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit is within you, but you would have to admit he just kind of has a little room in the basement, maybe a Sunday room. And, uh, and if that's you, um, I know we're missing that. It's all of us at times. We have that, that place where we just kind of put the Holy Spirit on the, on the sideline. But uh, as... You take communion today, celebrate that fact and, and ask Christ to come and, and be the center, the focal point of your life and surrender to him, okay? And, and walk with him. 
And, and it's not, I'm not saying it's not a rededication, okay? It's not, I will do better next time. Uh, I'll do better next week. No, you won't, okay? You will not. You can't live the Christian life. We need Christ. Only he can. And so this might be an opportunity as we take communion for you to celebrate that. And I tell you what, if you know him and you're walking with him and you've surrendered to him, let's just celebrate communion together. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to ask the elders to come forward. And if you guys want to just pass out the elements and if you just hold on to them and then we'll take them all together here uh, after everybody gives a chance to to hold them and we'll share this uh, special uh, really celebration of what God has done for us by allowing us to get to know him through his spirit. Thanks, guys.